You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Run, Anish Aganti, and producer, Natalie Kasabian. Everything for me. You teach me. You cook for me. Am I a burden? Sweetheart, I could do more. I'm your mom. It's my job to take care of you when you need me. And you need me. Are you okay, Mom? Of course I'm okay. I have you. The medication has messed with her head. What's wrong? to the next best picture podcast i'm your host matt neglia and today i am so excited right now to be joined by the producer and the director of the new film run premiering on hulu director anish shiganti and natalie kazabian hello 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 so close on both last names so oh, close though damn it so close all good it's all good <sighs> Now, you know what? The interview's over. I, I, I can't yeah. continue at this point. It's over. Oh, no, no, no. It's the effort. It's the effort. It's the honest effort. Well, there's definitely a tremendous amount of effort that was put into this movie, I can tell. In a lot of ways, there's just such a degree of control over camera, editing, score, performance, mood. It's one of the more enjoyable watches that I have seen uh, this year. But I guess really the first thing to kind of bring up uh, is... What has been the process like for you guys just trying to get people to see this movie? I know it was supposed to have a really well-timed release to Mother's Day, but because of COVID-19, it's had to be uh, delayed, and you guys brought it to uh, Nightstream, uh, which was uh, the premiere of that festival, and you guys were of a hot ticket there. So just talk to me a little bit about like what the journey has been like in 2020 for you guys with this film. Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, like most things in 2020. But, you know, we made the film... And, you know, and it was initially going to be a theatrical release. And we were obviously super excited for that. I mean, the whole movie is designed for that theatrical experience. We hope it's, you know, a a real edge of your seat thriller. But obviously, when the pandemic hit, at first, you know, it was just a question of like, what do we do? Do we hold? I think we all thought um, naively, like, this thing was going to pass. We were all like, oh, by May, we'll be fine. Um, So initially, we held out. But then you know, as it became 
very obvious that this thing was not going away. For us, it seemed like the only way that people can see this movie safely in a way that we would feel, you know, good about is people seeing it at home. And we got really lucky in that we had a lot of really cool people interested in buying the movie. And um, we ended up going with Hulu. And we're just excited that they, you know, love the movie as much as us and have been really giving it, um, you know, the marketing love and, and push that it needs. So, you know, our hope is that I think there's something that we can all relate to now in watching the, the movie. Like there's this sense of like, we all kind of, you know, we can all relate to like the feeling of being in our houses and, and breaking out. And like, there's some kind of cool parallel now between that and the film. So, you know, we just hope people watch it safely within their bubbles and, and have a blast. We think it's a lot of fun. So. Oh yeah, no, it definitely is for sure. And part of the fun is the fact that it is so contained. It's really a two-hander between Sarah Paulson and newcomer Kira Allen, who, my God, what a what a tremendous find uh, she is in this movie. And I mean, definitely a breakout performance if I've ever seen one. Uh, can you guys talk about uh, the search for Kira, how she came on board, and what it was like uh, having uh, the chemistry between her and Sarah uh, develop on set? Yeah, so, um, you know, from the beginning, I think one of the early mandates that all sort of, all three of us sort of, uh, so me, Nat, and Seb, the co-writer and, and producer, uh, set for ourselves in a way was sort of making sure that the person who played a disabled character was disabled herself. Um, and so it like, and it, it was just a, a, obviously a very, very simple kind of ask on our, on, on like, or a simple wish, but you know, that comes with a lot of work when it came to actually like realizing that because the amount of resources that it had to take to sort of find this person who we realized like might not have an agent, might not be plugged into the world of films, might not know who can act at all, or she, might not know she can act at all. So. You know, we ended up having a really good casting director named Rich Delia who sort of put out the word to all these like after school programs or disabled uh, acting programs or, you know, just whatever sort of uh, Facebook and all, people were kind of spreading the word and we got like a bunch of casting tapes all recorded in people's houses of, of a bunch of young women who were disabled or had lower body disabilities themselves and we watched all these tapes and like it was blow mind-blowing to see how many people are in this disabled acting community and also have like lower body disabilities, which is at least learned educational to me and how big of an umbrella that phrase is. Um, but coming out of that, one girl submitted from a dorm room in, in Columbia University and that was Kira Allen. And it just felt like her tape wasn't really acting. It was just very natural. And like, I remember giving her a few notes, she did something back again. And then we all loved it, all three of us saw it. And then we flew her to LA, she met with Sarah Sarah loved her. And then it was like watching a star get born. Obviously the amount of work that it took to sort of after that, you know, we're talking about somebody who's never been in a film herself, never been in a movie and like who's going toe to toe with one of the most talented actors, period, working today, period, you know, like, um, uh, so that was like its own challenge, its own beast that sort of like we working with each of them in sort of very unique ways. But I mean, the biggest, again, like the biggest hurdle was finding this person. And when we, we all just kind of knew that this was going to be it and like she was going to be a, a star out of this. And we all, I remember all of us, like we would tell her like, you're going to be, this is, a, you have no idea how much life is going to change for you. You have no <laughs> idea. And like, and she's like, eh, you know, and like that thing, but it, it's really cool to watch. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present 
If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Absolutely. No, there, there were some real Hitchcockian sequences of suspense in this that involve sometimes just her having to physically uh, get around. And I mean, I think about that scene where she has to go on the roof and she's like MacGyvering her way through certain situations. And it's a really physical performance on her part. I'm, I'm curious, like, how much of that is actually her? How much of it is head replacement, stunt doubles? Like, wh- what's the secret here? I mean, it's pretty cool to say that like a good deal of it is her. I mean, one of the things, um, one of the things she did when we told her, like, we, we we wanted to go with her, but she didn't quite have the role yet. And we called her up and we said, like, here, get ready. Like, this is going to be a really physical, you know, you've read the script, but it's a very physical movie. And like, we want you to do as much of it as possible. Obviously, it just always looks better when that's the case. And she sent us this video really early on of her, um, I remember Sev actually, our producer was like, have you seen Rocky? Like you've got, you've got to prep like Rocky. And she aged us all. Cause she was like, no, I, I haven't seen it. And we were like, damn, we all felt <laughs> super old. But she went and like recorded a video of herself and like to, to the score of I have a tiger, like doing all these like arm bike exercises and showing us that she was like ready to tackle the physicality of it. But um, that's a long way of saying she, she did a lot of it. I mean, there was definitely movie magic in there at times. I think the, the root sequence is one that I think we're all really um you know proud of the way it came together but a good deal of it is her and she definitely was like prepping and training in prep and and was like continuing the the physical stuff like while we were shooting she was like constantly constantly like working out like a like an action hero it was really cool yeah uh, it's definitely an amazing uh amazingly well put together sequence that's for sure uh coming off of the heels of searching which was one of my favorite films that I saw that year at Sundance. I absolutely adored that movie. What made you want to tackle this subject matter, this movie, dealing with pre-existing conditions, a mother and her daughter? Uh, I'm just really curious what it was about the story that uh, spoke to you all. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of it kind of came before the story. There were the parameters for the story. And I think, like, coming off of Searching, which was you know, as you know, like a very technically complex, very sort of tough to edit, tough to think about, like a very experimental um, gimmick, although albeit one that worked of a movie, you know, like 
I wanted to show to people and myself that I could make a normal movie and that I could like be a filmmaker and not be put in a box, make moving forward and not just be the guy who only does this kind of film. So I wanted to intentionally go the exact opposite and limit myself just as much, but just make it in the most like way that couldn't be like, to me, I was like, if I wanted to prove to myself that I could do the opposite, that I could make something that was timeless and classic and uh, like bare bones of a thriller um, with two characters, one house, one camera, and still make it engaging and thrilling and exciting and whatnot um, without any of the sort of like crutches that people could say that we use for searching one. I, I, in that way, I think run and searching are very complementary pieces, even though they don't speak the same language. They're very much like responses to each other. Run is very much a response to searching. Um, and as far as the, the, the content of the story itself, like elements of it were like sort of ripped from the headlines of you, as you can sort of uh, probably put together with a couple of twists on it. We were just like, well, if that thing is a secret from somebody like now, isn't that a thriller, you know, and, mm -hmm. and just moving forward from there. Um, but this sort of parent and kid relationship, I think is the thing that ultimately, at least on my level, now we'll have our own answer, but like attracted me the most to it just because like I feel like everything that I've done from my short films to commercials to searching has always been about a parent's love for their kid and yeah. this case he's like can instead of doing something positive in the spirit of doing the opposite of searching can you love someone can you love your kids so much it's not a hug it's a smother and I think oh. that, that that question was propelling it now what made you want what get get excited about this well, a couple of things, but like one of the cool things that we're trying to do with like all of our projects, Sevenish and myself, is like always trying to, you know, like make room for people of minority communities that don't normally get a place in movies like this. And the films don't have to be about, you know, about diversity or minorities, but like it's just giving those people, a, you know, a platform to just be. And so I think there's that common thread, you know, between searching and this. And, and I love that about it. But for me, the biggest thing was like, it's ripped from the headlines, which is cool, but it's doing something that I think a, a lot of the other projects that tackle, um, you know, without spoiling anything, but, but tackles similar topics is that like the, the person that's usually the victim in, in these stories where there's somebody who's disabled who, you know, may or may not be being taken advantage of. And in this story, like Chloe gets to be the hero and the, and the way you know, again, without playing anything, the, the, the kind of answer to her own problems. Mm -hmm. And she uses her wits and her smarts. And it's not about victimhood. It's, it's, it's her being the hero. And more than that, I think she's, you know, the, the character becomes like an action star. And I just think it's, we've never seen that before. So that, that was really exciting. And then the question of like, as always, how are we going to pull this off just as a producer it always excites me. Yeah. I cheered. I could tell you that much. I, 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 I really, really wish I could have seen it uh, with a ton of people in an audience because it definitely has uh, such a great emotional pull on uh, us as audience members. So I really, really appreciate the level of storytelling. And as I mentioned before, performance, craft, everything going into it. Um, it really does come together in a very, very nice, tight package. The uh, final question I have here is at one point in the movie, I, I and maybe I'm hearing things. I swear to God, I thought I heard uh, Derry Maine at one point, and I thought to myself, is that an It reference? And then I'm watching and I'm thinking to myself, there's a bit of misery in here, there's a bit of rear window in here. So I'm just curious, like, can can we uh, can we list some influences? Because uh, honestly, I, I, as somebody who 
loves to look at the past to then see how that influences the present. I'm just fascinated by that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Stephen King. There's a lot of Hitchcock and there's a lot of Shyamalan references in this movie. A lot. Like um, <laughs> Dairy Maine was one that we were just like slipped in so naturally into the 401 call. You know, like and I think that's what we did a lot of. Like there's a couple of others. I mean, there's so like I don't know if you piece together the name of the pharmacist, you know, like her, her on the phone, she's Kathy. And on here it says, it says, uh, it says uh, Kay Bates or something like that. <laughs> or no, on the phone, she's Mrs. Bates and here it says Kathy, you know, and like, um, and, and there's tiny little things throughout the film like that, that are just either in the composition of the shot or just straight up call outs in the, in the film that we're referencing. Um, but yeah, rear window psycho, um, and misery are, are so much of direct sort of uh, influences. And, and so is Stephen King. Amazing. Last question before I go. It's an easy one. Maybe you can answer. Maybe you can't. Uh, you mentioned before of what you are both setting out to do with your projects. I have to ask, what's next? Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Searching and Run are just both two for two. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I know everyone else is excited. Um, you want to give a, a little Yeah, piece? I'm glad you're excited. Um, and I'm glad you think we're two for two. Uh, the, uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, our next films, I think in that calibration of being a response to searching, this one going here, one going here, I think the next one's sort of like somewhere there. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, what I can say about it is it's a heist, it's a heist thriller um, oh. set in the backdrop of uh, the immigration industry. And I think like what we're trying to do is, is, is tell, tell a heist movie we've seen before, but in a true sense, in a way, like, have everything around it look different this time. So I is the is the is the is the hook of it. So that's about as much as we were talking about. And frankly, it's about as much as we've written. So um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, I, but we're working on next. I will add, but before that, you will see searching too from this yeah. team. And and Nisha's well, not directing, but um, we're super excited to announce our director. Hopefully, in in a couple months, we're we're very excited and we're. We're kind of deep in the process, so. Incredible, amazing. Well, thank you both, Natalie, Anish, so, so much. The film is called Run. It's coming to Hulu on November 20th. Anish, Natalie, thank you both so, so very, very much. And congratulations on the movie. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so that. much, Matt. Seriously, appreciate it. Absolutely, have a good day. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for the film Run, Anish Shaganti, and the producer, Natalie Casabian. Run is now currently streaming on Hulu, and you have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to iTunes, leave us a review there. And if you want to support the channel, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.